How many people would you help move? How many people are you willing to say, yes, I dedicate a day of my life to moving your stuff? I don't know. I like helping people. I, I, I would help. You're a rare breed, Jenna. You're a rare I, breed. I, I have, have no, like I have like two, three people. My brother's wow. not included on this list, by the way. Wow. It, it's yeah. a skimpy list. I'm not going to lie to you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go For Two podcast, a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Jenna Alike, and Brad, we have had an interesting couple of days in America, and it's not only important to talk about it in this in the scope of nationwide, but also in the NFL, it is important. So what are just your thoughts? How does this impact things? It's a very interesting time that we live in, and there will be multiple. We Originally, I thought that there would be a chapter about 2020 in my kids' history books. Now there's going to be a whole 2020 book because this is, this is crazy. What, what's going on, the virus, the George Floyd fallout, and it's just accentuated by the overlap. It, it gets more complicated with George Floyd on top of the virus. It gets more complicated with George Floyd on top of recent history. And now we're just trying to process it. So I, I don't know. This is, I'm almost without words. I'm not without words. If we were, if I was, probably wouldn't have a good show. But uh, it's just a crazy time. And I think we're all just trying to get through it. I, I completely agree. It's just a time when you said processing, that's kind of what's been going on for me. It's just trying to process why this is important, how in my life I can be, you know, a positive source of change and what that looks like for me. Cause I think, honestly, I think it looks different for, for everyone who, every human being, it's different for everyone and how they, they deal with it. Um, but the commissioner, he weighed in on, on this. I say weigh in, he didn't weigh in. He had a prepared statement, but, um, a lot of people didn't think this was enough. I'm going to read you some snippets. This is Roughly 85%, Brad, of what, of what was said? A borderline. I'm a journalism major for a reason, so it could be 2%. Who knows? All right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> enough to give you the gist of what the commissioner said. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, read some of it for you, for you guys. So it says, The NFL family is greatly saddened by the tragic events across our country, and the protesters' reaction to these incidents reflect the pain, anger, and frustration that so many of us feel. As current events dramatically underscore, there remains much more to do as a country and as a league. These tragedies, in, um, these tragedies inform the NFL's commitment and our ongoing efforts. There remains an urgent need for action. We recognize the power of our platform in the communities and as part of the fabric of American society. For me, this is what... I kind of expected an organization like the NFL to say, if I'm being honest with you. Brad, can you give us an insight into why some people might be upset with how the commissioner dealt with the situation? I think people are upset because Roger Goodell said something. Roger Goodell's not a very popular commissioner. Let's get real, especially with the players. So Kenny Stills and Eric Reed, they already spoke out against what the commissioner said. Uh, both of those players knelt alongside Colin Kaepernick a few years ago during the National Anthem. Goodell didn't say anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. 
But again, he's not popular with the players. This is the same NFL commissioner that tried to silence these same players on social justice by keeping them in the locker room during the national anthem. You remember, Jenna, he said, if you're not going to stand during the national anthem, stay in the locker room. That didn't go over well. And the wound is still relatively fresh from the way the NFL has had dealt with Colin Kaepernick. Every social justice stance that the NFL has taken since Kaepernick has been seen as a PR stunt. And rightfully so. It's hard to believe that the NFL is committed to social change, is committed to social action, the same NFL that tried to silence Colin Kaepernick. Well, Brad, let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. I've seen things on social media. One sticks out, an example. It was a shared post from somebody. I have no idea who they are, but they were someone who was against the whole Colin Kaepernick protest and now has penned a apology letter virtually, not a physical letter. Colin Kaepernick might never see it, but just the principle of the thing of, hey, I messed up. I understand why you did this now. And I'm wondering what you think this will do to his impact in the future, because this obviously was a big, I guess, tarnish on his reputation, but now people are agreeing with him. Only a tarnish on a certain side of the aisle. Many people agreed with Colin Kaepernick, and many people were upset when he got blackballed from the league. I, I think we all assumed that, NF, that Colin Kaepernick's protest of the national anthem was going to age pretty well. It wasn't very po- extremely popular at the time, but I think history was always going to be on his side. What surprised me is how quickly history came around. No one's a winner with George Floyd. Everyone has lost some more than others, but for lack of a better word, this just, this just shows that Colin Kaepernick won. This is exactly what he was kneeling for. Police brutality. Black Lives Matter. And now, it kind of seems like he's right. And by the way, Jenna, a lot of people were not happy with Colin Kaepernick's kneeling. It's disrespectful. It's not patriotic. It sets a bad example for the youth. But look at the alternative. Peaceful kneeling versus looting, rioting, And it turns out that Colin Kaepernick's way was actually the right way. And I think it's time for us to acknowledge that. I was was someone who didn't agree with Colin Kaepernick's protest. And I don't – see, my thing with this, it's an interesting thing to kind of like wrestle with because now I get it. Now I understand why. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the how, but when – I don't think there is a clear how. So I have less of a problem with what he did. He did what he felt he needed to do. And same, and same with people who are walking and protesting. They feel like this is the way to get their voices heard. And I think it's been successful to do, to do that. I don't know, um, like, systematically how, how that changes things. I think there's other steps. But I think it definitely, at least in my eyes, as someone who, who once felt that way, it does kind of – I get it now. And it, it makes me kind of be like, oh – I feel kind of stupid. I didn't know what was, what was going yeah, on. But don't feel that way. And for anyone that's listening at home that feels stupid, don't. Colin Kaepernick, it's, it's hard to say that he was ahead of his time because athletes before him have protested against the national anthem before. It wasn't new. It was just a bigger platform. And it was novel, not new. We've seen it before. We hadn't seen it in a while. But – 
don't feel stupid. Don't feel stupid. Because Colin Kaepernick, in a way, was a trailblazer. And in a way, he was ahead of his time. And he was protesting against George Floyd before George Floyd made headlines. So don't feel stupid. It's just a little bit of a, an alarm clock, if you will, showing you exactly, exactly what he stood for. If you weren't able to figure it out at the time, this is it. Connect the exactly. dots because this mm-hmm. is what he was talking about. Well, that's, that's what I was just going to say. It was like, it gives clarity. If nothing else, it gives, it gives clarity. And no matter how you feel about it, you can't deny that like you're, you know exactly what he's standing for now. But my question for you is, do you think that this opens up an opportunity for Colin Kaepernick to get back into the league? No. No? No, not, not at all. I think Colin Kaepernick, to be completely honest with you, I think Colin Kaepernick best serves the public, not as a football player, but as a symbol at this point. And if we want to talk about it from a football perspective, he wasn't even that good when he, when he was kneeling, and he was certainly on the back nine of his career then. Now it's a few years later. I, I know he's still working out, but he hasn't played competitive football. No, I don't think George Floyd helps or necessarily hurts his chances of getting back in the league. He never had a chance of starting a few years ago. That's something I, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch out for because now I feel like people take a different tune. But I don't know if that changes things in front offices. But I know that our first episode, my what was trending was Colin Kaepernick because I thought he was getting signed to the Jets. <laughs> when all the statements said was that Colin Kaepernick would be interested in playing football. So but here's the thing, and I mentioned Colin Kaepernick is best served as a symbol, and that's probably not a great way of putting it because Colin Kaepernick, I mentioned. He, he chose to peacefully protest. He said, okay, I have a platform. This is what I'm going to use it for. No one has to get hurt physically, but this is, this is the message I'm going to send, and this is how I'm going to do it. And we see the alternative. We see where human nature takes us, looting, rioting. No one wants it. No one wants it. So I think at this point, it might be fair to, to ask, hey, what is Colin Kaepernick's role in the aftermath of George Floyd? How can he serve the public now that he's not even a football player, but more of a civil rights advocate? He can say, hey guys, there's a better way. There's a better way. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he did not advocate for rioting, peaceful protesting, sit-ins. No one got hurt during sit-ins. I mean, yes, people got hurt during sit-ins, but not intentionally. So it's just something to think about. That's not how... This, the country was bred on protests. The country was born through peaceful protests. This is not the way. Yeah, he's kind of transcended football in terms of, of life in America. But we have to get back to football. This is a, a football podcast. So there was some, a meeting. Some rules were changed. Some rules that we thought were in place were more put in place. <laughs> Brad, explain some of these rules. You can maybe just list a few of them out and then we can discuss some of them, see if we like every, them or not. Every year the rules committee meets and then they meet multiple times a year. This is the a few rules that they came up with and they reiterated the automatic replay after scores and conversion attempts. So to be completely honest, not a big deal. I don't even remember a time where automatic replay on a score wasn't in place. Um, the NFL is trying to be safer. We all know that it's not safe, but we enjoy it anyway. So they expanded the defenseless player protection on kickoff and punt returns. Jenna, I still think that that, that is one 
half step closer to just eliminating kickoffs altogether. You can't really get rid of punts, but kickoffs, they are, they're not for long, just to be clear. And there was another rule. They were preventing or prohibiting teams from manipulating the game clock by committing multiple dead ball fouls while the clock is running. I think this is fantastic, Jen. I mean, I want to, a lot of people are saying that it's like the Bill Belichick rule or the mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel rule because in the dead ball fouls while the clock is running. That happened during the Patriots-Titans game. But I think of Sam Cook, the punter for the Ravens during the Ravens-Bengals game in 2016. Ravens up by seven, a few seconds left. Cook is set to punt from his own end zone. And the Ravens intentionally commit penalties. They hold the offensive linemen are tackling players left and right. (laughs) They're trying to get laundry on the field, and they do. The clock runs out. The clock goes down to zero. Sam Cook takes a safety. And the Ravens win by five. Bengals never got the ball back. It's genius. And I don't know how you feel about this. I love it. I mean, I don't, I don't love it enough to keep the loophole in. But every year there's going to be another loophole exposed. I promise you there's another loophole out there that we haven't even discovered yet. Believe it to Bill Belichick or Mike Grable to find it. And when they do, a few years later, will, there will be another rule change that will amend it. I loved this rule. <laughs> or not love this rule, but loved this concept. I thought when when I saw it, I think back. My first thing was was last year, and just it was just pure comedy in my opinion. Because it was just like something that that Bill Belichick would have done was getting used against him, and it was genius. And I loved it, and it was probably one of my favorite parts of the game. I was like, wait, they're not allowed. Nope, they're gonna do it. And I thought it was awesome. <laughs> it is sad to see it go, but like you, I'm excited to see if some other loopholes get into the mix because I think loopholes are like using the rules to your advantage is something that's separates coaches from being good to being great because they really know their sport and know where they can you know not bend the rules use the rules properly but maybe sway them closer to their side they're out there I thought and I promise they're out there and they will be found by intelligent coaches and something that by the way was not passed the proposed fourth and 15 alternative to the onside kick. We talked about that last week. That was tabled at least temporarily. So that's not, that's not happening. The onside kick is still with us. So for the onside kick fans out there, the purists of the game, don't worry. You still have your football for a little while longer, but we're previewing the 2021 NFL season and what that might look like, especially with all the recent events, coronavirus and Preparing for empty NFL stadiums, Deshaun Jackson, he thinks that players should be mic'd up if there aren't any fans in the stands out. Jenna, what do you think about this? And what do you think we're going to hear if the players are mic'd up? <laughs> that, that was my main concern. I think that it's not, it's not a bad idea. I like the idea because it gives something to kind of fill up the – you kind of mentioned it when we were, talk, when we were talking about, you know, how in, in play-by-play you kind of let the crowd noise do its yeah. thing at certain points. But maybe – I feel like that's still, you know, that's still something that you can do if, if Deshaun Jackson's idea maybe works out. You can maybe, oh, this huge play just happened. Just let them talk. But the thing about letting them talk is you, this is still, you know – you have to make it made for TV, you know? You can't have yeah. <laughs> all the profanity that goes on down down in the, on the field. I I don't know how – well, I guess you would do what what you do 
No, I don't know. Well, that's what happened. Um, I'm just, this is off the top of my head, so I don't remember every little detail about it. But with the XFL, when they did like the automatic interviews, mm. someone definitely dropped an F-bomb on live TV. Like it definitely happened. I remember hearing about it somewhere and it was just like, that's what you're going to get when you have a reporter who's on the sidelines right after something happens and something negative happens. These players are going to be upset about it. And if you just stick a mic in their face, they're going to they're gonna let you know. So I guess you, we can potentially see if the whole mic'd up players doesn't work, maybe the NFL will kind of compromise and go, let's do the XFL way where we have a sideline reporter every second coming in and putting the mic in their face. I mean, it, it was an experiment that, that, that was done in the XFL, and it was interesting to watch. Maybe you, you take that, you look to see how that was done, and then you kind of – see how it could work on a larger scale for the NFL, maybe less interviews, certain moments. I don't know, but I like the idea of having something else there that is not fan noise that's automated and weird, like we discussed a couple pods ago. You hardly even need the players to be mic'd up. If you have a quote-unquote field mic, you're going to hear those profanities, and that's obviously not okay. That's not appropriate for live television. I don't think NBC – would be too happy when they get a call from the FCC saying, hey, what did Deshaun Jackson say on your network? I don't know. It's his idea. No, that's not <laughs> an acceptable answer. You know, um, I think players should be mic'd up. I don't think that the sound should be aired live. I think NFL, uh, NFL Films needs time to vet that sound and mm-hmm. bleep out whatever they have to bleep out. No, I mean, and this is not just the NFL, by the way. If you've ever been on the field on courtside for a basketball game, on the field for a, a, even a college football game, it's not, appro- it's not appropriate for younger viewers. It's not. So, I, I don't know. Deshaun Jackson, if you can hold back on the F-bombs, then yes, sure. But I challenge you. I challenge you to play a PG-rated football game. I dare you. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. That might be a part of what the 2021 NFL season looks like. We will see how that looks. George Kittle is going to be a big part of this upcoming season, but to what degree and how much will he be worth? Because right now he's making just north of $2 million. He's looking to be paid for the superstar that he is, not for the position that he plays. And just for reference, the highest paid tight end this year is set to be Hunter Henry at $10.6 million. He's looking for a lot more. No amount has been discussed publicly, but how much do you think he's worth? I think he he's worth more than the tight end market. He'll definitely be the highest paid tight end, but I think he deserves to be. He is one of the superstars of the NFL. One of the faces, one of the names that you just know when you think of some of the best at their position in the NFL right now. And I think he needs to be paid as such. I feel like he's going to reset the tight end market. And I'm excited to see what that looks like, what the number is behind that dollar sign. But I, I definitely think that he has the right to think that he's a superstar because he is. Well, he's the best tight end in the league, and it's not even that close. He's been in the league for three years, and he's been the best tight end throughout those three years. And remember, remember where he comes from, by the way. Great story. Fifth-round pick out of Iowa in 2017, and now he's talking about being paid m- the most of, of tight ends, and that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty crazy, considering he wasn't even guaranteed a roster spot 
He's a dominant blocker in the run game. He mm-hmm. has more receiving yards than any tight end through his first three seasons in NFL history. He's the first 49ers tight end with a thousand yard season, thousand yard receiving season. And in 2018, he set the record with over 1,300 receiving yards in a single year. Yeah, I, he's, he's the best. Yes. So if, anyone, if anyone deserves that kind of money, which we don't even know what that kind of money is yet, it's George Kittle. And I think I, we'll see. Tight ends don't get paid much, uh, especially relative to other positions in the league. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty comparable to running backs, to give you a reference. But we'll see how much he's looking for. I think the dollar amount might not be exactly what we're looking at so much as we're looking at the guaranteed dollar amount. The Niners don't get to the Super Bowl last year without him, and they have no prayer of getting back there this year without him. And they love him. He loves them. It's a great relationship with the fan base. I have no doubt that he's going to get the money that he's asking for. The question is, what's he asking for? So George Kittle might have been trending in San Francisco, but Jenna, what was trending nationwide? What I chose for this week's what was trending was was Zay Jones. Um, I don't think it would do our topic bar justice if we didn't talk about what was truly trending in America, which was social justice and how how people are reacting to it. And this Zay Jones story was something that was encouraging to me because it was kind of the whole situation was kind of and his like last thoughts was how I was feeling. And I feel like no one else was feeling the way I was feeling. So I was like, okay, like someone with a a large audience also shared this story about how he saw this message in his own life. So I'm going to read it out to you. He tweeted on May 30th, I was just at a local home goods store with my cousin getting furniture from my place when an elderly white woman approached me at the checkout counter. She looked at me with tears in her eyes and then said, I'm from Minneapolis and I just wanted you to know you matter to me. And then he continues to say, I hesitated to hug her because she was wearing a mask for, for social distancing, practicing social distancing, but I asked if she wanted a hug and she folded into my arms. She cried while she told me how important it is to spread love. I didn't get her name, but I am grateful for the encounter. And this is the part that stuck with me. He said, beautiful hearts still exist. Be the example, be the light, love others. And I think this is just so important because when I even think about how this relates to me in my own life, I think, I, like I, I said earlier with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing and how people are reacting to this, I might not, necessar- might not necessarily agree with the how, because, but I understand that that is how they, they think, how they want to express their anger, and I understand that, but I choose just to Every individual person, I'm going to show you love and respect, regardless of where you come from. And I think that's how I can practically, you know, show that change change is important. And I can, for the people who are doing things the way I might not be doing them, I think they have a good reason to do that. But I really liked Zay Jones kind of getting a different spin that it's, for things to change, it has to be a person-to-person thing before it can be a global or a world thing, which is mainly what I took away and how I believe we get through this as a, as a country. Well, yeah, it's like change the world on the ground before you change the world period type thing. You have to, there has to be a culture change before you get a legislative change. And, and there's really no law that we're looking for necessarily to change this, to rectify this. 
this is just the way we treat people. This is just the way people treat people. And it's right now, it, it seems like we are living in the craziest time and we're living in one of them. Don't get me wrong. But to step back for a second and realize that this is just a blip on the timeline. And this is not the first instance of police brutality. Unfortunately, it's not the last either, but it's important living in the moment to realize the problem, to use this as an example and to have a face for the problem. That's why we're talking about this now. And, and black lives matter, police brutality, that that's talked about year round 365 but it's kind of like the gun debate in that people criticize oh we only talk about guns when there's a school shooting or when there's a mass shooting and that's when that's when we talk about it and the next problem comes up any other type of problem and we forget about the gun problem but that's not really the case it's just easier to talk about things when you have a face and a name to point at mm-hmm. and to reference to so I, I'm glad you brought that up. It just shows that, you know, the world isn't all bad, which I think we all know. But right now, it's nice to have a slight reminder. But Floyd Little was my what was trending. Uh, Floyd Little recently, the, the Syracuse legend, the NFL Hall of Famer with the Broncos, he was recently diagnosed with an aggressive yet treatable form of cancer. They didn't t- say which one, which type of cancer, but you know, Floyd Little means so much to me and to my family. I've never seen Floyd Little play. He's long retired and was long retired ever since I started watching football. But he's he means so much to me because of the number he wore on his back, number 44. And every time I went to the Dome and I saw number 44 in the rafters, even if we were at a basketball game, I would see that jersey and ask my uncle, like, hey, 44, who's 44? There's no name on the back. What are we talking about here? And he said, there, there's not enough space on the jersey. You have Ernie Davis, Jim Brown, and Floyd Little. And number 44, that's synonymous with the university. It's synonymous with the region, the city. It's one of the reasons that one of the zip of the area codes, or zip codes, I should say, of Syracuse, New York, is 13244. It's representative of, of the city. It's one of the reasons that in Little League, I wanted to wear number 44, but they told me, hey, Brad, it only goes one through 15, and let's get real, you're a little small, so we're thinking number four for you, like <laughs> four or five. And I cried, and everyone's like, hey, Brad, get over it. Everyone wears one through 15, calm down. I don't know why I wanted to wear 44. That's just the number that I, I associated with greatness. Who wouldn't want to be like Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, and Floyd Little? Jim Brown's the best player of all time, best football player of all time. Ernie Davis, the first African-American to win the Heisman. Floyd Little probably had the toughest job of the three because he had to fill those shoes after those two legends, and he did it. Success, it was unbelievable. I could talk about his over 6,000 rushing yards in the NFL, what he meant for the Broncos organization, but right now I'm just talking about what he meant for me and for my family. And the number 44, building the legend. And right now, if you're interested, there's a GoFundMe page out there for Floyd Little and for his cancer treatment. $46,000 of a quarter million dollar goal has already been raised, hasn't been active for that long. And it's just awesome. It's awesome to see all those donations, even in these trying times. So many $44 donations, which I think is awesome. 
so many $4,444 donations, which is awesome. Peyton Manning rounded up, rounded it up to $5,000, by the way, which is wow. just cool. Cool. Because he's uh, in retirement. Let's get real. He's a cult, but he's taking care of his Broncos family, played for the Broncos for, for a few years, knows Floyd Little, and it's taken care of trying to. And I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that Floyd Little has two fan bases behind him and, and what he represents. He's very charitable in retirement and I hope for the best thoughts and prayers to the little family. Can you tell he went, he goes to Syracuse. Can you tell, can you tell? (laughs) Come on. It's awesome. It's so cool. Give me another. It's just cool. It's just cool. Give me another school. Another team, even. The only other team I can think of that has a representative number is 12 for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But it took you a minute. When I said 12, you're like, Who, who's 12? I don't okay, Yeah, because it's not, it's, not, it's not like a person. It's just like a, a so, feeling. When you, say, when you, when you men- mention 44, it is so clearly, so obviously Syracuse. Yeah. And it's just, it's just cool. So at 44, it's, it's, it's a retired number for a reason. And Floyd Little is 33% of why. And that is enough for him to be my what was trending. But here, here we go. It's time for me to open the floodgates and, and let this frustration out. It's fan frustration. Fan <gasps> frustration. So, Jen, I'm going to start. The Jets were able to, to mess something up this week, and, and it, it is a serious topic. I'm, we're still talking about George Floyd because right now it's the most newsworthy thing out there. And the Jets didn't do anything. They didn't say anything about George Floyd. There are riots in New York, and granted, the Jets play in Jersey. They practice in Jersey. But you call yourself the New York Jets, be the New York Jets. You can't pretend these riots aren't happening. You have to address them. And I understand for anyone listening out there, we just bashed Roger Goodell for saying something. Maybe it was the wrong thing. Maybe it wasn't. But actions certainly speak louder than words. I'm not expecting Woody Johnson or the Jets to do anything about it materially. But sports play a different role for different people. Okay, For adults, it's an escape. Football's an escape. Sunday. It's a, it's a distraction from life. And by the way, that's why we need sports to return yesterday, mm-hmm. okay? But for kids, it's, it's an example. That's why it's important for athletes to shake hands after a game. That's why it's important for batters to swing with proper fundamentals because kids are watching and kids emulate exactly what you do and what you don't do. So I'm not asking the Jets to stand with George Floyd's family but I'm asking them to release a statement. I'm asking them to address it and to say something and to not pretend like it's not happening. A lot of people think if you're not addressing it, then you're against it. And I'm not saying that the Jets are against it, but they have to be at the forefront of this problem. And, and it's just a bad optic, right? Because Jamal Adams said something. Jamal Adams released a statement, the player that we're not even sure you want at this point. That's been, what, 75% of my fan frustrations. <laughs> and you haven't? You haven't. Probably not a great idea. So the Jets have to get on top of it. That's my fan frustration. Mine, I actually haven't had, you know, as I said, like a concrete 
present day non-stadium or draft related fan frustration, well, I'm going to welcome myself to the club because Henry Ruggs III, <laughs> our first round pick, our first pick of the first round, I, you know, I was kind of like, eh, about the pick, but he got hurt. Okay, he got hurt. But that's not – it's frustrating, yeah, you know, our first round pick, our, our first guy off the board. We think he's that valuable. But it's the way he got injured. So how he got injured, but he was just helping – well, it was kind of unclear because I think it was his dad who spoke, and he was like, well, he was helping his friend move a trailer or a piece of furniture – or uh, whatever, whatever. And then he got, you know, trapped between the wall, or was it the stairs, or was it? was all these different, it was kind of vague. And he has a cut on his leg now. Honestly, not the biggest deal in the entire world. Cut the leg. But we come from a place where freezing off your feet was a thing we had to deal with with Antonio Brown. <laughs> Stupid things like that. And this is just like, that's, I, I don't think, I'm not comparing them character-wise. I was just like, oh, a sketchy injury. I'm not liking the sketchy injuries. We have sketchy injury past. He's on crutches, too. Oh, brother. He's on crutches for the cut on his leg, and I just don't like it. They say he's going to be fine. They're going to be okay. And he has time. But this is not something I want. I don't want my rookie class in the news for any reason <laughs> unless it's yay he's amazing but no other thing should they be in the news for they, especially this early i i just that was not what i wanted to to read up but i i got an email from nfl.com or wherever it was and it was like henry ruggs injured and i was like what do you mean we haven't done anything but i guess my word to to all of you is be careful with your furniture or your trailer or between a wall or the stairs or whatever situation you just you just be careful out there because it's rough inside your own home i'm going to tell you why this is actually a good thing for the raiders okay this just proves that he's a team player many people don't help other people move okay if you help someone move you are a saint no one likes to help anyone move. No one does that. There was a Seinfeld bit about how, oh, my God, you have to help him move? Keith Hernandez asked Jerry Seinfeld to help him move after, like, they knew each other for two days. This is the clip. Move what? You know, furniture. So what did you say? I said yes, but I don't feel right about it. I mean, I hardly know the guy. That's a big step in a male relationship. The biggest. That's like going all the way. No one wants to help someone move. That's just, that's just, you don't want to dedicate your day to moving furniture that's not yours. And that's not only a friend, that's a best friend. So that's why it's good. Because you don't want him to be in the news, but being in the news proves that he was helping someone move. You wouldn't have known that had he not gotten hurt. Yeah. Ooh, that's my glass that half feel, full. That makes me feel so much better, Brad. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of the whole fact that he was injured. I'm not a fan of how it happened, how the information is getting relayed to me is a little – I don't know. I feel like if – I don't know how you, you know, are so uncertain but, about what happened. I'm confused But by think that. about it. Think about it. How many people 
would you help move? How many people are you willing to say, yes, I dedicate a day of my life to moving your stuff? I don't know. I like helping people. I, I, I would help. You're a rare breed, Jenna. You're a rare I, breed. I, I have, have like, no, I have like two, three people. My brother's wow. not included on this list, by the way. Wow. It, it's yeah. a skimpy list. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's, there's nothing worse than helping someone move. The only thing worse than helping someone move out is helping someone move in. That's the only thing. That's the only thing worse. Because moving in, you have to say, okay, where does this go? Where does that go? Moving out, everything's going on the truck so I can get the hell out of here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. I thought about it a little more and I thought back to when after me, both me and my sister were back home, her university is just two hours north of ours at Florida Gulf Coast. And it was time for her to go back to go get her stuff. Um, Lob I was city. already, yeah, exactly. Lob <laughs> City, Dunk City, all no. the good stuff. Oh, is it? Is it it's Dunk, Dunk City? city. Okay, but, I'm sorry. They're That's good. the Clippers, Lob City. I, I knew nothing about it until we actually had a conversation. I was yes. like, Christina, okay. did you know about any of this? And she was like, yeah, I told you that. And I was like, no, you didn't. You did not mention. Ooh. I knew about it, but I didn't know the significance as, you know, it was against Georgetown. And, you know, Georgetown sucks, as we all know. So my point was we I had to help her move out, you know, during Corona, like the time where it was like, okay, colleges, you can bring back people to get your stuff. So we did that, and we have a small car, my sister and I share, and oh my goodness, getting stuff from her dorm to the storage unit that was like two minutes away, tops, was the worst. And, and you live in, in Florida, too. In the Florida sun, exactly. Yeah. How in many that pounds, Florida sun. How many pounds did you lose? I lost a lot. It was a good week like 12, for me. It was, it was like two 15. Days. But it was, it, it's so hot. It's so gross. Here's the only thing, here's the only good thing about moving, about helping someone move. You learn that your car is capable of of different things. You had no idea. You you find places to put stuff you didn't even know it could fit. It's unbelievable. It turns out your Acura is really just a Hummer. (laughs) Well, those were things that we weren't, we weren't fans of. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some things or one thing that I'm a fan of, and it is this podcast right here. We're going to do our promotions now. Yup, you love that little transition. Give us some notes. Give us your thoughts, your opinions via email. Go for the number two pod at gmail.com. One of us will answer you. You can also um, hit us up on Twitter at the go for two podcast. Um, We'd love to hear your thoughts about about our episodes and, and again, what you think about what we said. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let us know. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is where you will get our current episodes. We're working on some surprise ways, you know, get get some more, you know, range, more accessible to you. So stay tuned. It's in the back burner. It's in the back burner. It's, on, it's we're, there. We're, 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 we're figuring it out. We're going to, I like, we, we do know, you know, YouTube isn't yet. We might be on the front of this, the, you know, your pre- premier place for, for a podcast, <laughs> but we're, we're, we're getting through it. And if you want to see our early episodes and our early fun, fan frustrations, you can go follow us on SoundCloud. Look at SoundCloud. It's go for the number two podcast. Again, that is all we have for you this week. And we can't wait to, give you some more news and headlines and fan frustrations next week.